Welcome to Keep the Game Beautiful podcast. Each week, I highlight incredible people who are doing amazing things in soccer, the beautiful game. I'm Anna Turi, your host. Thank you for listening. Today, my episode with Caitlin Kelly, or KK, is finally being released. We actually recorded this way back during holiday season, right around New Year's Eve, I believe. And we are just now getting to this because, of course, convention week last week. We just got really wrapped up with that. Last week, I had a great time at convention. It was definitely very different. It wasn't the easiest to understand, and there were technical difficulties, but it was still so much fun. And it made us realize how important face-to-face convention is and how much we love that connection and involvement. I am definitely excited for convention 2022 in Kansas City. Over last week, I recorded a few shorter episodes that are all released onto my YouTube channel, as well as an amazing podcast episode with a 12-year-old author. He's the author of a book called Hat Trick, and it's a chapter book, and he just has an amazing story. So I definitely recommend you check that out. Today with KK, we talk a lot about camp shutout. We talk about the camp shutout atmosphere and coaching and playing at camp shutout and just how much camp shutout has grown over the years. I think it's amazing what Stan has done with camp shutout. And it's such an amazing environment to just play and learn in. I love the how coaches, you get a different coach each day and how coaches can collaborate and learn from each other as well. So I hope you enjoy the episode and learn a little bit more about Camp Shutout. Today's guest is Caitlin Kelly. Caitlin is a goalkeeper and played collegiately at St. Cloud State University. She has done much work as a coach and has been involved with Camp Shutout for many years now. Each year, Caitlin travels to Jamaica and helps to host a free soccer camp, especially for goalkeepers. Caitlin is also a certified athletic trainer. So, Caitlin, I'm wondering if you'd like to add anything else or talk about what got you to where you are today. Sure. Uh, Well, first, thanks for having me on. Um, uh, What got me to where I am today, really, I bring a lot of that back to camp shutout. Um, I started, I played soccer since I was like a five-year-old, like every five-year-old first sport is soccer. And... um, when I got to be in high school, I was on the freshman soccer team playing midfielder and our goalkeeper got hurt. And I was all about basketball. Basketball is my favorite sport. I still love basketball to this day. And our goalkeeper got hurt. So I was like, Oh, I'll, you know, I'm good with my hands. I'll, I'll play goalkeeper. Um, So I went in net and did pretty well. And I played um, our goalie was still hurt the next game. So I played uh, the next game too. And so after that, um, the varsity coach heard that I had played and did well. And so he came and found me and said, Hey, our, our goal, our goalkeeper this year is a senior. We're going to need someone for next year. Why don't you just come practice with varsity until the season's over? So I did that. Um, And Wisconsin high school season is in the uh, spring. So you're going into summertime. Um, And so at the end of the season, he had just said to my, said to me and my parents that he knows a good camp you should go to that he, that I should go to, uh, that happened to be camp shutout, uh, cause he had played at UW Milwaukee where Stan was the assistant coach at the time. So I went to camp shutout and 
that's where I really was given the tools and opportunities. Stan um, and the other coaches, Chris Stadian, Doug Cardozi, Lindley Hillegas, um, they saw the potential I had um, and really pushed me um, to get me to the, you know, level goalkeeper, the level of goalkeeping that I was um, competing and playing at. Um, and that's really where I was given the tools and opportunities. Uh, from there, you know, I earned a scholarship to go to college and play. Um, from there, I was a graduate assistant soccer coach at uh, Wayne State College in Nebraska uh, and earned a master's degree while being the grad assistant coach. And from there, um, I decided to not pursue coaching as a full-time job. I wanted to, <laughs> uh, you know, do some other things. Um, so I got into kind of, a, a, since then I've had, um, let me think, three real, I'm doing quotes, real jobs. Um, so now I work in housing. I am a director of marketing at a memory care home for people with dementia. Um, and I coach a high school soccer team. But I really, when I look back at, you know, what was a catalyst um, that got me to where I am today, you know, through, turn, you know, events and um, opportunities, it really all started with Camp Shutout. Um, that's where I was really given the opportunity, the coaching that I needed, the tools I needed, confidence that I needed to get me to where I am today. And that's, you know, I've, I've been given opportunities have kind of opened before me, like going to grad school. That was not something I was really pursuing um, when I first graduated from college. Um, but I got a phone call saying like, hey, the position opened up. Are you interested? And I, you know, it's a, it's a collegiate coaching job, a graduate degree or a master's degree. So I, I've had these opportunities open in front of me that, but when I, when I look back at it, it truly all started with that first year I went to camp shutout. <laughs> so on this podcast, I always start with the same three questions. First, what does the beautiful game mean to you? beautiful game mean to me uh to me it is just joy uh fun competitiveness uh and you know that's really how you define um how you define fun because you know how you define fun when you're uh 10 to when you're 15 to when you're 20 that definition changes so like when you're 10 it's you know go out run around have orange slices at halftime uh, when you're 15, you know, you're getting into more elite level playing, more level elite level training um, to when you're 20, uh, you know, in playing collegiately. So your definition of fun changes. I still have so much fun now as I'm coaching, being able to spread that same fun and joy competitiveness, uh, those intangible life skills that you learn. Um, to me, that's what that's what make, makes the game beautiful. What are actions or things you do to keep the game beautiful? Uh, going back to camp shutout year after year is one of them. Um, the same opportunity and fun and passion that I received as a, uh, when I was a goalkeeper attending camp shutout, I want to pass on to the kids who attend the, uh, every single year. Um, coaching the high school team. I'm assistant varsity coach. And then I coach all the goalkeepers, freshmen up to varsity. Uh, and where I coach, um, it is a large school. So they have four teams. It's freshmen, 
then the 10th, there's a 10th grade team, JV and then varsity. So it's more opportunity for more girls to play. Um, and so I coach all the goalkeepers, freshman team up to varsity team. And that is an awesome opportunity because you're truly building a program and um, varsity doesn't just get all the attention. Uh, and so that goalkeeper uh, squad that we have, we have so much fun together. Um, we're our own little union uh, at Edina High School, um, the six of us, and we build our own competition between each other. Uh, we encourage each other. Uh, it's really kind of a unique group <laughs> that you know transcends freshmen all the way up to varsity. Um, and then also going uh, to Jamaica, we had to skip this last year uh, because of coronavirus. That would have it would have been impossible to go. Um, but being able to bring the beautiful game to uh, underserved kids in Jamaica, boys and girls alike, um, girls in Jamaica aren't always encouraged to play soccer or have the same uh, opportunities to to play soccer, and so doing that camp is a way to show boys and girls that girls and women can play soccer and can coach soccer and encourage them. A lot of the girls were really hesitant to put them that each day more and more kids would come to camp. And so the first day encouraging, come on, come on, come on. And then they'd be a little hesitant. And then the next day trying to get them the next day, the next day, and just make it more normalized. Um, those are all the ways that I, I try to spread the beautiful game and keep the game beautiful, especially for kids. How do you encourage others to keep the game beautiful? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> how do I encourage others? Uh, I think that comes through encouraging. Um, so I'm kind of going to go on a little tangent. Um, I was attending a coaching conference and um, the speaker was talking about, uh, and especially women and girls getting into coaching and um, talking about a lot of girls just don't see themselves getting into coaching. And so finding one girl on your team and going to them and saying, I'm going to pretend it's you and say, Anna, I think you would make a really good coach. What do you think about that? And uh, just trying to encourage uh, kids, doesn't I mean, it, not just girls, but boys and girls to say, I think you'd be a good coach. Like, I think you're a good leader on your team. I think you're really good at this. And placing that thought in their brain, because maybe no one has ever said that to them. Maybe no one has ever told them that they're any good. Um, and so placing that thought in their brain and making them think like, oh, Maybe I would, maybe I would like to be a coach someday, or maybe I would like to, um, you know, uh, be a team captain or, you know, so placing that thought in someone's brain uh, that maybe no one has ever placed that thought there before, or they've never had it come across their brain before. Because uh, that for a lot of kids, that's all it takes is just someone to say like, hey, I think you're really good at this. Why don't you give it a try? And so that's how I try to encourage others to keep the game beautiful. So going off of what you literally literally just said, oftentimes <laughs> girls don't have female coaches ever in their life. I've never had an actual female coach. I mean, I've seen yeah. the representation and I have such a great platform. 
but mm-hmm. how can we get it so other girls can see that becoming a female coach is possible and that it can be done? So a big part of that is representation. So, um, sorry, I'm sort of like adjusting myself, um, is if you don't never see someone who looks like you in that position, you just never think that that job is for you. Um, and so getting out there, uh, and trying to spread your network, um, is really big and literally saying to someone, I think like, have you ever thought about coaching? I think you'd be really good at it. Uh, and so like, Oh, why don't you, you know, maybe just start small, be an assistant coach. Um, and putting that thought in someone's brain, because literally it's surprising that how often when you say something like that to someone, that thought has literally never crossed their brain before. And, but they have enjoyed, you know, um, pushing people to be better or encouraging others or showing someone how to do something um, better. They've always enjoyed that, but they've literally, the word coach has never come across their brain. Um, And so literally just taking someone aside one day and say like, hey, I think you're really good at this. Have you ever thought about it before? And, um, or, or maybe not asking them, just saying like, I think you're a really good coach. How about you come in um, to my next session and you help with the younger kids, you know, kind of give them a taste for it. But really it's getting more women um, into assistant coaching roles, head coaching roles uh, in uh, athletic departments, you know, as, you know, uh, athletic directors or assistant athletic directors. That's really the, one of the best ways to get more women in coaching and just expanding your um, networking circles. A lot of ways that um, coaching jobs are, you know, if there's a job um, that is opened up, um, like, so at the collegiate level, when I was the assistant coach between the first year and the second year, um, the first coach um, got a new coaching job. So she was uh, out and they had to find a new coach um, between the two uh, seasons. And so there was a committee formed with a athletic director, assistant athletic director and other coaches. And a lot of the ways that coaches are discovered or found is through networking. So like, oh, hey, I know someone. And that person, like, maybe you don't know that person who's going to be the new coach, but maybe you know someone who works in soccer. So maybe you know Stan Anderson, like, I know someone in soccer, I'm going to call Stan Anderson and see if he knows of someone. Or um, maybe you do know someone, but if you, if you widen your network, because if your network is this big, then you only have this many people to draw from. If your network is this big, you have, you know, this many people. So expanding your network and getting more women into those typically male dominated networks um, is going to be a really big way in getting more women into coaching and more high level coaching positions. When a new coach or a high school player that is wanting to coach is giving the, given the opportunity to work with the younger players, what advice would you give them? Uh, the advice I'd give them. Oh, okay. Oh, this is a good, this is a tough one. (laughs) So the advice I give them is to first off. um, So if you're, especially with youth and by youth, I mean, like 11 and under 12 and under is to always make sure you're making it fun. Um, And you can make it competitive um, and you can, you know, show technique, but always make it fun. Um, because if it's too intense, too young, 
you're just going to have kids burn out. So always make it fun. You always want to make sure you're having fun um, when you're coaching youth so that they develop that love for the game. And like I was saying earlier about as you get older and more and better and more elite, your definition of fun is naturally going to change. So don't worry about making it too, you know, real intense when when you got a group of nine-year-olds. Like, yeah, you want to keep you want to keep the session moving, but you always want to make sure that there, there's an element of fun in there or else they're just going to like, you know, it's going to be like they're going to work. You know, you want to, <laughs> you want to keep it fun. Um, and then as they get older, that's where you start getting a little bit more focused in as far as the, um, how the session goes um, and getting the kids more focused in a little less of like the laughy jokey type of fun more of the competitive type of fun you know what I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that's that's probably my biggest advice um, with the little kids and it's a lot more teaching than it is training so you're doing a lot more teaching than you are doing training um, and your session is not going to move as quickly as it would with older kids. <laughs> so keep it fun, keep it to the basics, do have a lot more of a teaching mindset than a training mindset and you'll be fine. Earlier you had mentioned networking and how important that is and how your high school coach knew Stan Anderson and that's why you were introduced to Camp Shutout. So how important is the soccer connections and that huge network that we all have in this huge world, but this small soccer world, world almost? So networking is huge. Um, and so Camp Shutout is a great way to start with that. Um, just because uh, Stan over his, I, I couldn't guess how many years he's been in coaching now. Um, he has, he, cause he coached UW-Milwaukee, um, Marquette, Wisconsin-Madison, Illinois-Chicago. Um, he has a wide network of coaches that he is either good friends with or f- friendly enough with that he would be able to tap into them. Um, people reach out to him all the time, um, needing a goalkeeper or needing if he knows of an assistant coach um, or someone looking for a coaching position. Um, but networking really is huge. Um, and it's through, um, so you were, uh, <laughs> uh, something that, um, Jessica Huff said, uh, on the leadership experience, um, with Molly, that loyalty and friendships will take you really far in life. That is absolutely true. My friendship that I have with Stan, um, that started, you know, when I was a teenager <laughs> going to camp Shoutout. that is, you know, he was a mentor for me, good friend to this day. I've been going to back to camp shout out for years. Um, that truly that friend friendship and mentorship has taken me really far in life. Um, I know that if I decided to make a career change and wanted to get into collegiate coaching, Stan would be right there to help me to find a role, um, matching what I was looking for. Um, but networking really is huge and there's, there's coaching conferences, um, that happen. Um, but you know, different coaching conferences, um, that you can attend where you, um, meet, uh, coaches, uh, you, uh, I went to the Wisconsin, um, women in coaching conference before coronavirus started, um, in 2020. And, um, the, the speaker I was, uh, I was at her session and she asked if someone had an example of something. So I raised my hand, she called on me and I said my example. 
And as soon as she was done, as soon as the talk was over, she came and found me afterwards because she had a, I, I had introduced myself from Edina High School in Edina, Minnesota. She had a connection to Edina and she had some questions for me. And so she came and found me right afterwards and we talked. Um, we actually got set up. We were going to do something with Sports Bra Project, but then you know, it got canceled because of coronavirus. Um, but just from that one introduction uh, with her, she's an athletic director um, at a high school in here in Wisconsin. Um, you know, I was able to make that connection. We were going to, you know, we had this whole thing set up. Um, coronavirus, you know, it didn't happen. Um, but really networking can, it, all it takes is just, oh, I know the, the phrase, I know someone <laughs> can take you so far or get you connected in a way that you never would have believed. So you've already mentioned Camp Shutout so many times. So yeah. could you take a little bit and talk about your experience at Camp Shutout? Sure. Um, so I first attended Camp Shutout, I have to think, um, in the summer of 2003, I was 15. So I just finished my first year of high school. So I was a 15. And um, I, like I had explained earlier, I was a basketball player who jumped in net when our goalkeeper got hurt. Um, and so my high school did have a goalkeeper coach and I trained with him for maybe two to three weeks. I can't really remember. It was at the end of the season. Um, and it was really the basics. So it was him, you know, showing me what my hands should look like and where my, where my feet should go and how to, you know, if I'm diving to the side, making sure I'm getting my elbow tucked in. So I'm not landing with my elbow out. Um, really, really basics. Um, and I went to camp that summer and luck luckily enough for me, I'm a pretty visual learner because I really didn't know much more than the basics. And how the first um, Sunday afternoon when they divide you into groups, um, back when camp was smaller, there's about 50 kids there when I was my first year, um, there would be the whole, all the all the kids would be together and they would do different exercises and they just evaluate you and divide you into groups based off of that, um, you know, like hour and a half. And so the coach would demonstrate something kind of similar to how, how pressure training goes. They would... Um, demonstrate something and then all of us kids would do it and a lot of these drills I've never seen before or done before so I would I was kind of like wide-eyed like oh my god watching <laughs> and then I'd see the other kids around me do it and I kind of watch them do one or two and then I would do I, I'd get the hang of it whatever whatever it was um, and so being a, a pretty visual learner I was able to catch on pretty quickly uh, and I was placed in a fairly high group my first year um, and uh, was just had a lot of potential that Stan saw and um, the other coaches saw. And so I really, um, you know, I, I really had so much fun that first year. I was like addicted to it. I left after the week was over. All I cared about was going back to camp the next year. That was all I cared about. <laughs> We were given a soccer, so <laughs> I'm laughing at myself right now. We were given a soccer ball and I kid you not, I was sitting after camp was over. If I was like at home watching TV, I would just be holding my soccer ball like a, like a keeper or if like I laid down to the side, I'd like, it was as if I was diving. 
and I would just hold that ball for hours. <laughs> I was just hooked. I was so obsessed. I loved it. And I remember it was probably the first or it must have been the first day. I don't know what the session was. I can't remember who my coach was. I don't even remember exactly what I did, but it must have been good or impressive because all of a sudden there was like people cheering for me. And I was like, yeah, like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> and so it was that feeling of just being, uh, they, I just absolutely had never felt more confident myself. I felt like a rock star. Um, and I got kind of addicted to that feeling and to camp and the atmosphere at camp. And that just got me hooked. Um, there is no way I was missing the next year. I never missed a day of camp, let alone a year of camp. Um, and uh, it, it really gave me the tools and opportunities I needed to get me into college and into, you know, my graduate assistant coaching position, um, the tools uh, to, you know, grow my leadership skills, all that sort of thing, uh, all that really stemmed from camp. Um, a, a lot of great role models for me. Um, Lindley Hillegoss is huge. Uh, Christadian, Doug Cardozi, of course, Stan. Um, some of my best friends come from camp, um, for sure. Joe, Peter, um, Rachel, Nicole D'Agostino. I mean, it's, it's so funny. Like when you leave camp and come back the next year, even if I haven't seen these people for a year, cause we all live all over the place now, it's like you haven't skipped a beat. So it's, it's truly a unique atmosphere, um, that just, it's, it's almost hard to describe. <laughs> it, it breeds a almost near cult-like following. <laughs> We'll definitely have to clip that part out and make sure Stan hears that part. Oh, he's already heard me call camp a cult, so. <laughs> but yeah, feel free to clip that part out. <laughs> so Camp Shutout does have this amazing community and environment feel mm -hmm. almost. And how have you seen that change, but also grow throughout the years? Okay, well, that's a great question. Um, so... Well, definitely the biggest way it has changed is just in its size. Like I said, when I first went in 03, um, there was, I, I would guess, 50 of us um, as campers. And it kind of, at least in my four years as a camper, um, I would guess it probably stayed between 50 to 60 as far as um, kids who attended the camp. Um, also at that time, the youth camp must have been a separate week because there was no youth with us. Um, so it was just the high school aged kids. Um, it was when camp moved to Marquette that the enrollment really started taking off. Um, and also the youth became, um, instead of being a separate week, it was the same week as uh, the advanced sessions. So with, with the enrollment taking off, um, definitely one of the things that changed is that it's impossible. So like for me as a coach, I, I, there's no way I will learn all 300 kids who attend camp. I'm not gonna learn all their names for sure. When camp was 50 kids, 
every coach knew every kid's name for sure. Um, so that is one thing that has changed that um, each coach won't know every single kid's name. But one thing that we really emphasize is that the coach, because um, you know, at camp, you switch groups each day. So you're going to have a new coach each day that you attend camp. Every coach learns all the names of the kids in their group that day. Um, and so that way, at least you have, uh, you still get that same feel that the coach knows you by name. That is so important that your coach knows you by name. Um, so yes, it's changed that, you know, I won't know all 300 kids' names, but I'll at least know all the kids in my group, in my groups throughout the week. And if there's kids who attend year after year after year, which a lot of the kids do, then you're going to remember kids from years past. Um, and it really doesn't feel big. It still feels small. It still feels homey. It still feels like family. So that's a way that, you know, we, we still try to make it feel like it did 20 years ago. I think one of the ways also that it's changed is that it is way cooler now. Like we have a DJ, there's like a merchandise store, Joe brings his printing press. There's like the snack uh, store. Uh, there's all like the posters. It is way cooler <laughs> than when I attended camp, just like because of all like the cool stuff. Um, oh, when I attended camp, um, I mean, it was, don't get me wrong. It was really cool, <laughs> but <laughs> like now it's just like 10 times cooler. Cause we got like the giant, like banners of all the, all the campers who have gone on to play pro and all like the pictures along the walls everywhere. It was just so cool. <laughs> so you talk about all of these resources you got, how do you try to help your players out, even though you only see them for a day, maybe only seeing them for two sessions for about two hours? Yeah. Um, so the kids, when I'm coaching, um, I always tell the kids in my group that, you know, if they have questions or anything they want to ask me about later on, even if it's not my day to coach them, they can always come find me and talk to me. Um, I always try to end my session um, so our sessions at camp, we have like the stop time where we want to wrap up training and then we have cool down time and then we have the hard stop. Hard stop means you are done. You are back in the main group area. So we have like kind of your session wrap up time, your cool down and talk time, and then your hard stop time. So my cool down and talk time, um, we're going over um, what we went, did that session um, any coaching points, any, you know, technical points. And then I always try to also tie in um, some leadership skills, um, talking about like our, the, um, the team atmosphere that we can bring back to our team, um, you know, our club, our high school team, wherever we're heading back to. And I always try to tie in a part of that as well, um, just because I think that it's often overlooked um, and it could be leadership. It could be communication because communication is a big part of your leadership. Um, or even if you're not the leader on your team, not everyone is the leader on your team, um, but how you support your leader, how you communicate with your teammates, 
you know, as a goalkeeper, communication is really important and you want to be an effective communicator. So I always, I always try to touch on communication as well um, during that time. And um, they always know that they're free to come find me later to talk to me. Um, I often refer to Molly Grisham um, because she is awesome at this. Um, I have books I can recommend as well. Um, but I always try to be a resource for that um, just because it, it, it really is, I think, underestimated as far as how important it really is. Before we kind of move on from the camp shutout atmosphere, I want to ask about GK Union. How important is it? What is it? I've talked to a few other goalkeepers about it, but just kind of answer what it is and how it's helped you too. Okay, so GK Union. So where, where to start? GK Union is the kind of bond that all goalkeepers have with each other because on our teams there's either one or two of us and we're often left on our own and to you know in our training sessions or with our teams a lot of times you don't have a goalkeeper coach and you're just kind of on your own so the GK union is the bond that all goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches have even if you don't know the opposing goalkeeper, there were times during games where I'd be like, oh my God, great. You're, you're like in your head because you don't want to cheer for their team, right? But in your head, you're like, great save. You know, <laughs> we're like, awesome job. Um, it's that, you know, we're GK Union is that bond all goalkeepers have, even if for the opposing team's goalkeepers, we were just like, that was fantastic. You're saying that to yourself, right? Because you're not cheering for the other team. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it's kind of that bond that you see across all of goalkeeping. Um, just because you know how difficult it is, how uh, it's, it's a lonely position, but you're never alone. Um, and also it's kind of like a place like and a, a place of acceptance. Because a lot of times goalkeepers are kind of just like, maybe a little oddball, right? And so <laughs> you're, you're with other oddballs. You're with people who get you. <laughs> so you were kind of asking about oddball or like talking about the oddballs of goalkeeping. Yeah. So maybe kind of talk about why goalkeepers are so odd or what makes them almost different from the rest. Oh gosh. Well, all yes, goalkeepers are oddballs for sure unique sense of humor, unique personalities. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is, but you know when you see it. <laughs> um, and it's, it's funny, um, I, I won't use names or anything, but with the, with the coaches at camp, we have a group chat and then we'll also email. Um, a, a coach one time um, sent an email saying talking about how he was always kind of an awkward shy kid never really fit in but then he came to camp shutout and everyone was just like him and so he felt accepted and encouraged and really kind of grew into the person he is today um and so we're all kind of oddballs but in our own unique way it's hard it is hard to exactly pin down exactly what it is for each person 
but that's what makes camp so much fun. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, there, there's a lot of odd characters at camp, but that's what makes camp so much fun. <laughs> So moving on a little bit, I want to ask, can you talk about your experience in Jamaica? For sure. Um, So in Jamaica, uh, we, so last year when we went, we went to two different um, elementary schools. So we did a morning camp at one school in the morning and then a camp um, in a school in the afternoon. And um, the schools we go to are schools that are underserved communities um, with very limited resources. Um, like, so for example, um, the, we, we coordinated with the FIAD teacher at the afternoon school. He collected uh, the registration forms and that sort of thing for us. And um, to give you an example, like being underserved, he, he didn't always have access to a computer because that school had only one computer for all of the staff to use. So um, they really are underserved communities. Uh, in Jamaica, girls aren't always uh, encouraged to play soccer. Um, they're being too muscular is considered to be like too masculine. Um, and so it's, it's not encouraged um, very much at all. Uh, so going there, you know, not only do you, did I have a goal, part, part of why I wanted to go was to be a positive role model for girls that yes, you can play soccer, um, but also for boys to make it normal for boys to see girls playing soccer make it normal for girls to play soccer. Um, I brought with me uh, I had quite a bit of donations that people gave to me to bring along. Um, so the Minnesota, Minnesota Eclipse 04s team put together these really cool, like um, giant uh, Ziploc bags that had like snacks and gum. Um, all di- It was like full of stuff. I can't even think of what was in there. And then each player on the team made a card Um, that had their picture on it, their name, their age, where they live, what position they played, what they liked about playing. Um, And it was really cool, um, really cool uh, that I got to bring those along um, because I had the opportunity to coach for a few days the inaugural high school team at Waterford High School. So that is the very first girls soccer team to exist at that high school. Most of those girls had never played soccer before. Um, I mean, a lot of them had ran track before, but never played soccer. Uh, So they were starting, they were beginners, um, even though they were 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, So that was a really, I I felt quite honored actually to to coach them for a few days. Uh, And then I gave that team, each each of the girls, uh, one of the bags from the Minnesota Eclipse team. So it was almost like, a team from Minnesota was reaching out to one of them individually and they absolutely loved it. Um, But coaching that was really uh, quite humbling. Um, And then I also coached throughout the camp, um, boys and girls, uh, youth players as well. So coaching goalkeepers, coaching field skills, um, 
And then this camp is really cool that each day has a theme. So for example, um, respect. So one of the days, the theme is respect. How do we show respect to our teammates, to our coaches, to our teachers, to our parents? And so that theme is tied in to what we're doing that day. Um, a different day, the theme is teamwork. You know, what does teamwork mean? How do you, you know, how, how, how do you work as a team? How do you be a good teammate? Um, so there's a theme for each day. Um, he also, Dean, so when I say he, I mean Dean, Dean Lothian, um, he founded this camp. He also has someone from um, a local bank come to teach the kids about financial literacy. So it's way more than just soccer. Soccer is, um, is fun. It's an opportunity. It's, um, but it, it's also kind of the vehicle to teach these other life skills, like the teamwork, the respect, the financial literacy, all those sorts of things. It's all brought back to soccer. Can you talk about some of these donations you also brought over, like the sports bras and collecting the sports bras and goalkeeper gloves as well? For sure. So this is the sports. So um, I was introduced to an uh, organization called the Sports Bra Project through uh, Molly Grisham, who does the leadership experience and has worked with Camp Shutout multiple times. So the Sports Bra Project is an organization that simply collects um, uh, new sports bras that are, they have to be um, a medium or high impact quality just so that they last a long time. Uh, They collect um, sports bras. And when people go on a trip, like the one I did to Jamaica, you can contact them and say like, hey, I'm going to uh, making up a, I'm going to the Dominican Republic and I'm coaching 30 girls. Can you send me 40 sports bras just so that you have a variety of uh, sizes? Um, and they will send you 40 sports bras. You pack them along with you and then you hand them out. I mean, it's really that simple. Um, and why sports bras are so important is it's a, uh, piece of equipment that girls and women need to be able to play sports. Um, And it's often a big barrier for women and girls because uh, financial, you know, they can, they can be expensive. Um, So there's a financial barrier. There's sometimes a social or cultural stigma about it. um, You know, that shames girls or women for, from buying a sports bra. Um, and then, you know, without having one, that's a huge barrier to participating in sports. So Molly got me connected to Sports Bra Project. I random on my Insta, Instagram story posted something about, so excited to partner with Sports Bra Project. Stan took a screenshot of it, posted it on the Camp Shutout Instagram page and tagged me in it and told people to contact me. I had no idea that he had done that and I'm at work and all of a sudden my phone is just like buzzing like crazy and I'm getting all these DMs on Instagram of people asking how to donate. So kind of a organic um, sports bra donation drive. I And then also my family members donated. Um, so my cousins, my parents, um, my friends um, that I played with in college donated. So it wasn't just the camp shutout community. Um, 
so I think I had 45 or 50 sports bras that were donated. Um, I have a list actually at home. I'm at my parents' house right now, but at home I have a list of who donated. Um, I cannot thank them all enough. Some people also donated money um, to help uh, with getting them over there. Um, But it was so cool when I... (laughs) I, when I opened the, the bag that had the sports bras in it, it was like the lid flew. I mean, we're outside. It was like the lid flew off the sky. It was crazy. Um, and I, I had, I, I did it at both schools, the morning camp and then the afternoon camp and the afternoon camp is where the high school team I was coaching was at. And so <laughs> It was just so cool because at first I handed out the packages from the Minnesota Minnesota Eclipse team, and when I showed when I held one up, they like exploded. Um, and then so we, I passed those out. They all kind of they were looking through them and stuff. It's like okay, now I have and I opened the sports bras, and it was like an explosion went off. Oh my gosh, they were so excited. Um, so it was just really cool to be able to connect them with just simple things like a sports bra, um, you know, something that they've probably never owned a new sports bra before in their lives. So that was really, really cool. And it was so cool to see all my friends and family members and people from camp shut out, um, want to help and chip in. And I was like, I'm not even the, I'm not even the one donating all these. I'm just the vehicle to get it there. Like it's all these other people who are awesome people donating all this stuff. Uh, so it was really, really cool to be able to be a part of that. What was the joy that these kids have when they were playing, when they may not always get to play or they may not always get the best coaching or any coaching at all? What was their joy? I think their joy literally was for some of them was being able to just play a a lot of them um their school doesn't have a lot of resources so they might have one soccer ball for the whole school um so when we walk in and we have like 20 soccer balls uh that is a big deal oh my gosh just being able to like kick a soccer ball was like the, their faces, you just can't describe the joy they had. Um, <laughs> it was, it was a, a learning moment for myself and I'm laughing at myself um, because I had the first day with my group, I got really frustrated because I was trying to explain what the drill we're about to do. And the kids are just like kicking their soccer balls all over the place. And I was like, I was about to lose my mind because I was like, they're not listening. They're not paying attention. I can't even, you know, explain the drill. And then after reflecting that night, I kind of was like, Caitlin, you're being ridiculous right now. These kids have one soccer ball for their whole school. And here you are, and they each get their own. And you think they're just going to sit, stand there and listen to you? No, they want to play. They want to kick. They want to run. They want to do all, they want to play soccer. Um, so I had a very quick learning moment to reevaluate my expectations for the sessions and what I wanted my impact to be. Uh, but I can't describe. 
the looks on their faces of being able, one, just to hold a soccer ball or to wear a pair of goalkeeper gloves. Um, at the end of the week, uh, we'll give out almost all of the stuff we bring with us. Um, we'll give it out to the different ki- to different kids. And they get to they get to keep a pair of keeper gloves like their faces just like, oh, my God, it's hard to describe. (laughs) So we've made it to our last question, which I ask every guest. What do you hope people remember about your impact to soccer and the world? (sighs) It's a big question. Uh, (laughs) I hope people remember that I or at least what I try to do is um, bring out the best in my athletes, not just as a keeper, but, you know, as a person as well. Um, And that I bring much more than just soccer, that I can bring in those intangibles, uh, like confidence building, Um, leadership skills, communication skills. And um, what I meant by bringing out the best is that um, I'll I'll use an example from this last summer. Uh, A kid, it's it's pretty common that at the end of sessions or at the end of the day, a keeper will come up to you and just say like, hey, what do you think I could work on to be better? And I had a kid in my group. So this kid who asked me, he was super funny, super goofy, um, but some of the funniness and goofiness led to time wasting, like between sessions that we, we were starting to waste time because we were too off focus. And so, and this kid was maybe like, was 15 years old. So I said like, you're a goofy kid. And I mean that in a good way. Like you are a ton of fun. I had so much fun coaching you today, but I need you to be able to focus more because we, well, we were wasting time between sessions trying to get back on track to what we're doing. Um, so I want you to stay goofy because that's who you are. That that's what makes you, you. So I want you to stay goofy, but just bring in the focus a little bit more. Um, so that's what I mean by bringing out the best in people. I, I never want to like quash what makes someone who they are. Cause that's like, why would you do that? That's who that person is. That's their unique, uh, that's their unique impact on the game. That's what makes the game beautiful. We just got to, you know, bring out the best and then maybe diminish the things that take away. <laughs> if that makes sense. It actually surprised me so much how KK had started only in her freshman year. I know I started only a few years ago, and I still feel like I'm doing a lot of catch-up. But there are many great off-season sports that help with goalkeeper, like we talked about before in the podcast. We also talked so much about Jamaica, which is such a fun experience. I would love to coach there, and definitely I'm trying to convince my dad to let me go. It's such a great experience, and I think we can all take a lesson from that. And sometimes here, we let the game be too serious. It's not fun anymore. It's just to win and train to get into college. And I think it's so important to take a step back and realize why we're playing in the first place. 
I hope you enjoyed the episode and until next time, remember to keep the game beautiful. Thank you.